This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycast. And we're joined tonight by Fiona, who runs the Prospective Lesbian Parents Victoria group with her partner. And they also have a young son who I think is 16, 17 weeks now. So, Fiona, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome. Um, what's your, um, can you, to start with, can you just tell us a little bit about your um, background and the work that PLP does? Sure. Um, basically, I've been involved with uh, facilitating PLP. This is my third year now. Um, so, and PLP has been running f- since about 2004, I believe. So um, it's been a fairly longstanding support group. Um, we run meetly. Uh, sorry, monthly meetings um, where same-sex attracted women, whether they be singles, couples, um, can come along and in a safe, confidential environment talk about issues relating to conception, preconception um, and issues, you know, post-birth and things like that. Now, how's life for you at the moment? You are a new mum. How's yes. that going for yourself Challenging, and your very challenging. <laughs> um, it's wonderful. But look, nobody prepares you for parenthood. I don't mm-hmm. think you know. <laughs> um, you know, there's so many different challenges. I mean, everyone talks about the sleep deprivation. I think I'm coping pretty well. I think when you're breastfeeding, that you get all those happy hormones. My poor partner Kate. stick them on the boob and fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you've been there, done that. Yeah, <laughs> my poor partner Kate. I think she suffers a little bit more with the sleep de- deprivation than I do. But then I always could fall asleep fairly yep. well beforehand let alone being <laughs> exhausted so and I'm back at work I'm self-employed as well so you know there's the challenges of working and and looking after him and so but yeah it's you one look at that face one look at that big toothless cheesy grin and you just melt and you go yeah it's so worth I it. love that toothless cheesy grin <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody describe their child like that but I'm loving it and I'm, I'm gonna use it I'm definitely gonna use that one yeah um, what sort of, um, in terms of the process that you and your partner went through, what sort of um, challenges did you face? We had a, uh, an interesting um, journey to becoming um, pregnant and conceiving Henry. Um, we initially started out with a, a known donor. Um, that was kind of a fortuitous by chance meeting a colleague when I was working, um, sort of, you know, suggested that her... Um, heterosexual partner could, you know, donate oh my God, for that's us. So nice. It was just one of those random coincidentals. It never happens, you know. Yeah. Pot of gold at the end of the rainbow kind of things. Um, and so we were, we were quite excited. So we thought, great, we'll, we'll go down that road. And unfortunately, we we had four tries and two miscarriages. Okay. Um, and then we actually happened to meet his mother. Um, and as, at, at a thermomix party, as you do, mm-hmm. just a random thing. Um, <laughs> <A> thermomix party. <laughs> and as, although she was lovely, um, she was very much all about um, he, her son was God's gift to the planet and he was just it in a bit and so were her grandchildren. And the law, the way that it is when you have a known donor, anyone who has a vested interest in the child can apply to the family courts for access. Ooh. And that's that kind of 
did did scare us a little bit. Um, and so then we considered then going the anonymous donor route. Yep. And we sort of thought, you know, obviously things happen for a reason, you know, it was, our journey wasn't meant to, to go down that road. Um, so then we weighed up the pros and cons of going through a local clinic in Melbourne versus um, an interstate clinic. And for personal reasons, we weighed up you know, what our options were. So Kate and I decided to go through Queensland Fertility Group um, and that was a bit of a journey in itself. So we started that process in August and it was like an unfortunate series of events. You know, part and parcel was, you know, me having a Looney Tune style fall in my kitchen, fracturing my my bum bone. Um, <laughs> well, hang on, was this, this was before the insemination? This was before okay. the insemination. So right. like trying to lead up to this process. Oh, and you're like, preparing yourself. Yeah, exactly, and, oh. exactly. So like that was kind of a story in itself where, you know, the cat was on the kitchen bench and I went to, you know, throw a glass of water at the cat to, to discourage it from being on the bench and I slipped in the water, which is karma. Mm. Karma, <laughs> total karma. And they know it. They do, they do. So yeah, so I fractured my coccyx. So we needed to give time for that to heal because when you're pregnant, that's a, that an injury you don't suck. want. Definitely. So then eventually, you know, then the uh, um, gynecologist had a month off on holidays and then anyway, long story short, we eventually got back up to Queensland to try and we got f- pregnant first go at IUI. Fantastic. Which is uh, in utero insemination. Um, so for us, it was a really, really long time for something that happened in the end quite quickly. Um, so just to explain to, to some of the listeners who might not fully understand the, the process of IUI, so it's interuterine insemination. That's right. So we, like a lot of people kind of technically know it as turkey basting, but it's a bit, a bit of a step <laughs> further than turkey basting, isn't it? Technically, it is, I don't think it's it technically known as <laughs> turkey basting. No, but not technically, sorry, locally, locally known as turkey basting. But turkey basting is the kind of first effort, isn't it, where you literally get That's a turkey baster. <laughs> you don't well you can use a turkey baster but there's much more efficient methods oh yeah like yeah. getting it right up there like well, through you the cervix don't, you don't want to get it through your cervix so that's actually a common um, misnomer so with IUI you actually do get it through the cervix so it's um, done with washed semen yeah um Lovely. Yeah, lovely. Sorry, talking about <laughs> num, num. warning. Sort of should have had a warning there. We're going to be talking gross icky bits right now. Um, so <laughs> IUI is done with um, washed semen. Yep. So it can be put through the cervix into the to the uterus. Yep. Um, and then basically it just it gives the sperm a head start. A better chance of getting better up chance. there. Yeah. So Plus the, wa- the washed sperm, like, and, and just for the, those of you who don't know what that really means – when they, they the don't process, run under the kitchen sink. No, the process of washing sperm is they basically get, get rid of all the, the two-headed ones, the two-tailed ones, the ones that are running around in circles, they, and they um, get the strong ones, don't they? they? They put it in a centrifuge, so and they actually separate the semen from the sperm. Lovely. And they put it into a different medium, and you get a little vial or a straw or whatever your clinic decides to call it. Um, and they use a, you know, a really weird-looking syringe, and, you know, it's in very it goes. romantic. And very romantic. <laughs> But it's all very quick, very painless. So five minutes and, oh, right, we're done. good o. So the candles are on. <laughs> Absolutely. Your girlfriend's beside you giving you a little smooch while the doctor's having a go. Our, our fertility specialist, she was great. She was really, really good. So um, I think she might be one of the girls as well. So. Yeah. To find out more about Joy 94.9, check out joy.org.au. Um, so Fiona... Um, we, I want to know, of course, a little bit more about um, what PLP does and we're 
tell us a little bit about um, what types of um, resources and support you give to people. Sure. So we run, <clears throat> like I said before, we run um, monthly meetings, which is held on the third Tuesday of every month. And we cover a range of topics. So we kind of alternate between guest speakers and um, sessions that, that I run. Um, so we we have um, a lawyer usually come as a guest speaker. We have um, births, deaths and marriages. We also have uh, the um, one of the fertility clinics come and speak as well. That's always a really popular session. Uh, some of the sessions that I run is a do-it-yourself to home insemination, which is always fun and you yeah, know, always talk, lots we, of gory details. We talked a lot about that before the show a little <laughs> yeah, bit and brilliant. Had, a, had a few giggles. Brilliant gory details. And Louise <laughs> is very keen on this. Yeah. I think she'll be coming along to the next one. I sound like a spot squeezer. I'm not. <laughs> but the gory details about like surrounding fertility are actually really interesting. Well, that's the thing that often people want to know about. That's the stuff that you, you quite often can't find information on. It's, mm. it's literally the logistics like yep. how what do you use like what's the you know what's gonna give you a better like there's no guarantees but what's gonna give you perhaps an easier or better result or what's gonna be less fiddly and icky because and what you, do you need to do in advance as well because you need to time it really oh, really well so many women don't know about their cycles no nope. they don't know that you know things happen in patterns they don't know about mm-hmm. ovulation like knowing when to inseminate is just as important as how to inseminate yeah so you know we go through all those sorts of topics as well and the thing is as well like it's such a beautiful process like the the monthly cycle if you actually dig into it and research it it's amazing and it's so predictable as well absolutely absolutely and you know that this is why women are all crazy because our hormones (laughs) honestly they just go nuts Speak Every month, speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're crazy. You're crazy, Barbara. You just don't, you just don't want to. You don't want to say it. But uh, no, it's true though, and we are totally, totally defined by our hormones yeah. in our monthly cycle, and, and it is quite a wonderful thing when you do a bit of research. Absolutely. Oh, look, I'm a big fan of the mucus. That's oh yeah, that, that's <laughs> good old the, cervical mucus. Absolutely. You know, get in touch with your inner mucus. I always say. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, with them. Yeah. So so PLP. So what kind of people do you get showing up? Do you, is it is it all same sex attracted people, or do some heterosexual people show up as well? Um, sometimes we get um, donors, but we kind of ask people to um, let us know when they're bringing donors because you know we like it to be um, an environment where people feel like they can share and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's certain sessions where it's absolutely appropriate to bring donors, like. For example, this month's session, we're having inviting support people. So it's an opportunity to perhaps bring grandparents, parents, donors, people that are in your support network that want to ask questions are a little bit afraid to either ask because they don't want to get that graphic with, you know, or they're asking inappropriate questions and you just want to bring them along so someone else can answer them for you. Yeah. I'm happy to do that sort of stuff. Um, always. Which is kind of good because it's inclusive, right? It's <laughs> Absolutely. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, we're not in, a, exclusive at, at all. So, yeah. um, And I think that group of people is, is quite an important one for somebody who like this, starts this journey. Yes. And, um because, yeah, as you, you, we're sort of um, crossing that a little bit that, yeah, for some people it might work straight away, for other people it might not. Yeah. Some people try for years. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I can imagine it's quite difficult to decide who you talk to yes. in that phase Absolutely. or not because you don't – or I, I don't only know from people that when they tell you they're pregnant, that's usually – 
a while in, you know, because yeah. you never know what happens, might go wrong. So you don't tell the world straight well, away. It. So I think too, you know, there's always that that. I know um, Kate and I had that that issue of of being so excited that you're trying to make a baby and wanting to tell people and and we did tell some some people early on and then when we went through the process of having two miscarriages it's heart wrenching yeah. mm-hmm. and everyone like you read the blogs and all that sort of stuff and everyone says you know don't tell people mm-hmm. until you've passed that safe mark and until you actually go through that process I think of having a miscarriage you don't actually acutely realise how much that that can affect you mm-hmm. um, you know but then. Again, depending on your support network, some people can then rally around you. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, really, isn't it? It it really does depend on your support network, I think. Because if you don't tell anybody, you have to kind of suffer it yourself, yourself and your partner, so you don't have any support then yeah which is yeah it depends again it depends on your your uh, support group yeah you know if you've got some friends of going so you're pregnant yet you're pregnant yet mm. hey not helpful yeah <laughs> yeah um but then you know you you've got other people that just are there and i think they're the kind of support people that you need that uh wait for you to to open up and to to invite you in and to talk about those issues that are meaningful to you and to just be there. And, and of course, heterosexual couples go through this as well. Absolutely, who, who go they through do. IVF. Absolutely. So it's it's pretty much the same thing for yeah. those guys too. Yeah. Do you, do you find that um, women who are in same-sex relationships, um, do they, like, are you less likely to have within your, you know, sort of friendship groups people who've, you know, shared these similar experiences? Like I know, um, I mean, most of my gay friends, for example, um, don't have babies haven't started families versus all of my straight or not all of them (laughs) but a lot of my um well all the straight friends that I grew up with now we're like in our mid-30s um they all have kids so it's it's kind of a different like you find yourself often I think in a totally different social sort of context in terms of that support absolutely I I think I've definitely found that I mean even with new mums groups I haven't really clicked with the new mums groups that's in our area um and I've sort of found that not that any of them said anything nasty or anything like that. You know, sometimes you just feel a welcoming vibe and sometimes you don't. Um, and, you know, with the new mums group in our area, I definitely haven't felt that connection, that that ability to identify um, with that group. So, um, so are you the only same-sex uh, mum? Yeah, yeah. In, in that area I am, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> know what, maybe, maybe it's just a, a little bit about, and I know we shouldn't have to educate, but maybe it is just a bit about that, you know, and it's about familiarity as well. Yeah, it, it is. Maybe I mean, it'll just take be, a bit of time and perseverance. Oh, yeah, potentially. I mean, be, doing PLP, I love having that people are sort of pretty much all on that same page. They're either yep. going through the process or they're thinking about going through the process. They're there for information or, you know, so you're surrounded by people that understand yep. um, as opposed to, you know, you know, a group of mums sitting around whinging about how little their husbands do. Well, you know, mm. I don't have that. I have a wonderful partner who does amazing things and, you know, hell yes, two mums are better than one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Absolutely. You don't even have to ask, which is awesome, you know. Like you can just give a look and it's like, hey, no, I'll cook dinner. <laughs> hang on, hang on. That's not even about kids. That's like housework as well. Absolutely. Having a female partner is brilliant. You just don't have to ask. That's it. It's just done. There's no toilet seat left up. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> The advantages of having a girlfriend, everybody. <laughs> um, now, I don't think we've actually uh, read out the website yet. So it's plpvic.com mm-hmm. um, that people can go to. And you've got a Facebook group yeah. as well, which is a private group. Yes. Um, but people can see it to request to become yes. part of that group, which I think is great because it um, 
again, like if people want to post and ask questions, they know that they're part of a that's right. You know, a safe community. We're pretty particular about that, um, and we're pretty particular about in the group about maintaining confidentiality. It's, it's it really is about having that safe space, and the the main area where we communicate for PLP is via the Facebook page, um, and it is private, so that if people post and they're not telling their friends that they're trying to conceive, then they don't have to worry about it coming up in people's news feeds. Mm. So, and you've already mentioned your next event coming up for. Um, like people bringing support people along, mm-hmm. so that's in July. Um, some of your other events um, between now and the end of the year, natural options to enhance your fertility, birthing options, resilient rainbow kids, uh, and then finish off with a dinner, a bit of a social event in November. Yes. So um, there's plenty. I mean, for people, um, you know, thinking of um, starting a family or who may already have um, young kids, mm-hmm. um, yeah, get involved with the, um, with the group. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. It is Joy 94.9 and you're listening to Her Voice with uh, four beautiful beauties in the room and we're talking all things babies and jizz and (laughs) cervical mucus. So basically close your ears if you're if you're squeamish because you probably won't want to go any further. Anyway, so we, we got to a little can bit. Can I of, close my ears? You this can close your ears. Information overload. Semen, semen, semen. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, PLP and, and uh, giving women support when they're embarking on this journey, which is, you know, you know, it's not an easy journey. You know, when you're in a heterosexual relationship, it's on tap. Yes. You can do it whenever you want. You can do it a million times a day when you're ovulating and, you know, one of the days you're going to get lucky. But, you know, as a lesbian couple, you've got a few shots to do it. And I guess I guess one of the things we should talk about are the different types of processes that are available to us because there are several ones. There's the IUI, which we've just discussed. And then, you know, if that's unsuccessful, there is the potential to go forward with IVF. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about you know, how maybe Medicare funding can help with that and various other things. So Mm -hmm. after IUI, if IUI is unsuccessful, say we, you know, you try a few times with IUI and it's not because, you know, it's it's not going to be completely cheap to do it. It's 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 a little bit of money. Yes, it is. So, you know, you only want to give it a few goes before you you want to take the next step. Right. Well, some clinics um, say that you have to do IUI before doing IVF in order to get the Medicare rebate Mm -hmm. Um, with uh, lesbian couples. Quite often we're classed as socially infertile as opposed to medically infertile. And in order to get the Medicare rebates, you have to be medically infertile. Uh So if you do, it depends on the clinic, but you might have to do two or three um, IUI inseminations to then be classed as medically infertile. Which I guess is fair, right? Yes. You'd think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult. You know, look, there's arguments for and against. I think it's, it's a medical procedure and, you know, there's a lot more money spent on perhaps things that aren't necessarily... Yeah appropriate as well so i think that the more help that we can get the better okay so um but in terms of of getting rebates it does vary from state to state it it depends on your fertility specialist so you might have an underlying condition like um, pcos which is polycystic ovarian syndrome which means that you might get the rebate right off the bat yeah so then you or endometriosis or something like that yeah so it just depending on it really does depend on your fertility specialist as to what they class you as so it's actually them that that class you um, whether you're medically infertile or not and whether you can get the rebates so I mean you know prices 
vary. Um, one of the reasons that um, Kate and I decided to go to Queensland was that um, Queensland and New South Wales and Tasmania um, import international donors. Okay. So there's pros and cons to that as well. Um, so with international donors, um, th- there's a, a wider selection that you can choose from. Um, yep. Whereas in Victoria, they have to be Victorian donors that have gone through the process of having Victorian counselling. Um, so you've got a much smaller donor and pool. it's quite it's quite involved for for donors as well, isn't it? Like they have to go through quite a hefty they do a hefty process. So they really need to be very altruistic in what they're doing and really Absolutely. really believe in what they're doing and that they're helping people, which I guess is a good thing. It is, but it means that the pool is smaller for people to choose from. Absolutely, and you know, one of the parts that you know people quite often don't like to talk about, but you know, donors can object to donating their their semen to same-sex couples mm-hmm. so that some clinics can have separate lists so and they'll they'll have separate lists they'll have an IUI list and an IVF list with IVF the sperm quality doesn't have to be anywhere near as good so yep. whereas IUI they have to be magic swimmers yeah <laughs> to be able to survive the thawing process okay. and then because with IVF they either they so they basically match up an egg and a sperm and either they inject it or put it near it so that the, the egg is fertilised, whereas IUI, they're just shooting for the moon, basically, yep. <laughs> and putting the, the sperm <laughs> and hoping for the best. So, you know... You'd... So it's going to be a smaller pool. Yes. I, again, for IUI. That's because, right. So the IVF will be a larger pool to, to select from. Yes. In um, Victoria, yeah. So that's why, um, p- personally, we went um, for the option of having an international donor um, because they have really big lists um, because they source them what, from... What kind of difference are you talking in numbers? Like We had, um, just trying to think, we had probably about maybe 30 or 40 to choose from, um, which is a decent amount of profiles to sort through. Yeah. Um, and they still have the same rules of they can only have, you know, 10 families. Yeah. But then there is that question mark as to whether in other countries then they can, you know, uh, have families um, with or other families in other countries. Um, so there's always those question marks, whereas in Victoria it's very – or in Australia it's very much regulated. Now, so. there's one quite important thing to talk about when it comes to anonymous donors, and that's how um, they're dealt with on birth certs. So on mm, birth certs, um, I believe there's a code that's placed in your birth cert. Yes. Which uh, basically allows um, your child to get in touch with birth, births, deaths and marriages, mm-hmm. and they can instigate – communication or absolutely or they can they can ask both parties if they want to have communication they can find out some more about their lineage yes which i think is wonderful actually it is. because it's i know that i'm i'm obsessed with understanding where i came from yes so you know to deny somebody that i think is it's just no, it's, it's, it's better to be able to give them the option it absolutely is so on the birth certificate it's actually called an addendum so mm-hmm. that's put at the bottom of so that's the only thing that you see on the front of the certificate in victoria um you're put as mother and parent um so unfortunately you can't have mother and mother but you know it, it's language and labels um but yeah so there's and the, it's better than nothing it's better than nothing absolutely not complaining um so there's the addendum where so when a child turns 18 they can find out where their their donor comes from so we can still ha- even though we've gone through queensland we can still our child can still access records once they turn 18 should they see fit to so and importantly it's through a third party so yes. it's not directly and no. the donors understand this yes. when they when they undertake Absolutely. their donation yeah which can, i think is great can donors choose um not to be contactable in the future or is it like if no, you're going not to donate, anymore. that's it not in yeah, australia not anymore 
Yeah, it used to be, but no, not anymore. Um, they need there's that transparency, and I think that that's a really good thing. And that's probably why again the lists are shorter, shorter than they used to be. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, no, that was important for us. I mean, we've got – and that's the other thing too between um, local clinics and international clinics is that it's big business overseas. Mm. Um, so we have a 30-page document with all sorts of information about our donor. So that was important for us, even though we've gone um, a, an anonymous route, to be able to actually answer questions. So there's quite a few questions that we can answer. So if they come up, we can, you know, give a lot more than just – basic information yeah so we sort of felt that that was the best of both worlds so you you pretty much know everything about them except their name their address and what they look like well we do know what they look when we have a photo of our donor from when he was a child yes so you can do that this is another thing you can you can request for a a child picture of the donor but not an adult one right depending on which clinic so um the fertility clinic we used in Queensland, they use two main ones out of the US. Um, one will only provide a baby picture. One will provide a baby picture and an adult picture. Okay. So it just depends on which cl- uh, sperm clinic that you go through. So, okay. um, you know, if that's important too. I mean, I think it's nice to be able to see what they look like or looked like. So, yeah. I think it's great. So after the, the IUI, there is the, the option of IVF mm-hmm. and, um, you know, if... And usually people will give IUI a go, first of all, and then they could be declared as medically infertile mm-hmm. to, in order to get the, the IVF. Yes. It's not, it's not set in stone that that is the case, but, um, but sometimes there can be grounds to get that rebate for Absolutely. IVF. Absolutely, yeah. And IVF is much, a much more involved process. Absolutely. You've got a higher chance because the, the, um, the egg is fertilized outside of the body yes. and then they insert it and yeah. then they it, wait for the magic to happen. It's interesting because um, <laughs> last month we had one of the fertility clinics coming in and, and speak and, and a lot of the um, statistics that they have I think is for the general population and that includes same-sex couples. So I actually posed the question to them of whether they'd be interested in separating their data because, you know, for a cohort like same-sex attracted mm. women who are often socially infertile as opposed to medically infertile, our success rates would be quite different. Yeah, they would, wouldn't they? Mm. So yeah, because because you cause if we were in a heterosexual if we're fertile in a heterosexual relationship we'd be pregnant already. That's right. You wouldn't yeah. be accessing the service. Yeah, yeah that so. would be interesting actually. Mm. You can find more joy casts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. You are indeed <laughs> listening to Joy ninety four point nine. Her voice is here um, on your Monday night, and uh, we're talking to Fiona from PLP and. Um, Having a bit of a giggle. Um, so, after explaining all things IUI, IVF, Home and ha- talking a lot about mucus and sperm, sperm, yes, uh, jizz in general, general jizz. <laughs> talk a bit about <laughs> some more formal things, um, the legal side of things, which is uh, very important. And there have been quite a few changes in the last couple of years. Um, good changes. Um, and yeah, so um, what's what's the situation for in your case, for example? Um, so you're obviously the birth mother. Yes. Um, but your partner, what what in what position is she? So on the birth certificate, um, I'm listed as as mother because I was Henry's birth mother, and um, Kate is listed as parent. Mm-hmm. So she has the same rights that I do. Um, there's no there's no difference in that regard. Uh, where with the changes that they brought in um, to pensions and Centrelink, um, both um, I got the um, paid maternity leave um, payment and Kate got dad and partner pay. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So, so that's really that's good. Cool. So, what's that? Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so you didn't have to double ditch. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. So, um, and when I returned to, because um, I returned to work, uh, it meant that I could then, because Kate was then staying at home, so she could um, take over the remainder of the maternity mm. um, pay as well. So that meant that you know, it just it, it supplements our income. Um, which is fantastic that we now have access to that. So pretty much there's not a lot of difference in terms of rights um, as far as uh, anything that you'd think of. So as medical schooling, um, Kate can make decisions just as much as I can, which I think is fantastic. Do you know when that change happened? Because that hasn't always been the case in the past, has it? People had to, um, if they wanted those rights, had to spend a lot of money on getting... um, Parenting agreements yes. drawn up, basically legal documents to give them rights. So Absolutely. It, it's fantastic that that's now being fixed. I'm not exactly sure when that legislation passed. It was during Gillard's um, uh, term as Prime Minister when she made all those changes to remove a lot of the restrictions and red tape um, for same-sex attracted people, and that's when the changes for Centrelink and um, tax and all those sorts of things that you could actually you know, be registered as a de facto partner, even though we don't have marriage equality. Um, we've got almost everything but so you know in terms of if you get comparative even though the u.s has um marriage equality they don't have a lot of those legal rights in terms of parenting that that, that we have so and i believe that um victoria is going through the process of allowing same-sex adoption we still don't have that right so yeah. if you wanted to go through the process of adoption you can't in our case we don't have to because kate can be listed on the on the birth certificate which is great um but yeah if um, a couple does want to adopt, say, mm-hmm. I mean, they might just want to adopt from the outset or they might go through the different processes and yep. IVF and and not be able to conceive. Yep. Um, so they is that one of the things that you, um, Would like you talk, about? talk about and yep. give advice to people at PLP? Because Absolutely. you can't adopt um, as a couple, only one. No, but you can get permanent fostering. So, you know, if you want to, if you weren't able to conceive or you wanted to look into fostering, fostering is a wonderful option yep. for kids that need loving parents. Um, so you can, um, as a, a couple, permanently foster a child. You can't um, adopt a child as a same-sex couple. You can only adopt as a single at the moment. So you can adopt as a single. Yes. So basically you have more rights mm. to permanently foster because then you could have those, um, you know, schooling medical rights as opposed to being able to adopt, which seems a bit Irish, we'll yeah, be backwards, but, it is. you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No offence to our Irish no, friends. No, no, slip of the tongue, awkward. <laughs> You're all so mean to me. Anyway, excuse me, marriage equality, yes. excuse me, thank you, May 22nd. Um, yeah, no, but it's it's it does seem a little bit odd yes. that you can permanently foster and you can't adopt yes that, it, uh, and a single person can adopt yes you know it just it doesn't, it doesn't make it doesn't sense seem right yeah no. so uh, well, fingers crossed that legislation gets mm. passed relatively yeah. soon and it is something that the state government um committed to addressing yes um so yeah it still hasn't happened yet but no but i mean we've got much more rights than our for example our queensland counterparts so we had brunch with um a gorgeous couple of friends of ours that are down from Brisbane, a lovely gay couple, and you know desperately want kids, and their rights have been stripped in Queensland. Mm. So the Newman, so their the rights to adopt were brought in, and then the Newman government took that away, which you know 
is heartbreaking, yep. absolutely heartbreaking. And, and as same-sex attracted women, we are fortunate for the f- simple fact that, you know, you have we, a have, womb. we have a womb, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you, you, my heart does go out to, to oh, those absolutely. that want kids and can't go down that road. And so, you know, there is options like co-parenting, surrogacy you know, as well, but again, that can get so messy expensive. and expensive. And like, that's like, that's a mortgage yes, right there. Absolutely. You know, and, and what I can't believe is that, you know, our brothers yes. are, are just not afforded any opportunities no. at all, yet they're willing to commit so much money to to do this process and people can't see that that as commitment. No. And it just it just drives me spare. And it drives un- me spare. The only media attention it gets is the negative media attention. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that again, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But but really it shows that this issue should be addressed on a federal level and not state level. Absolutely. This, the law like this it needs here to be ironed and the out bit, definitely like it's it's ridiculous really. it is well, on, on the topic of marriage equality one thing that absolutely gets my goat is the opponents to marriage equality doing the whole hands in the air think of the children and it's like oh my god are you for real we mm. already have rights as parents mm. we have children hello you know yeah. we're so- not sociopaths <laughs> we can look after children exactly right yeah. and I, I think all the the stuff that came up in the last couple of weeks as a response from some of the conservative politicians is just so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. um, I don't even want to talk about Barnaby Joyce because that's just... But oh, the, um, don't even say that name. No. The only, thing, um, na- only name worse than that is Cory Bernardi. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry, but that's the only name worse. But um, it was actually... Um, uh, one good thing that came out of all these ridiculous comments was that um, Penny Wong finally... Um, got a bit loud and she I think did. she got really ala- um, annoyed with Eric uh, Abetz and what he said um, and um, she um, yeah I read an article and I think the message was like um, hello we already have kids yes and it's it's really uh, and the only thing you're, you're telling our kids is that um, they're not worth as much as other kids because their parents can't get married so if they're so worried so worry, worry, worried about the health and well-being of these kids, then why not make a situation where these kids can have exactly the same situation as other kids and don't have to feel ashamed or whatever they want to imply there um, of their parents and feeling that they're not the same as other parents. Absolutely. So. It just it, It's ludicrous to me. I, I, I cannot understand the rationale that they preach about think of the children because mm. Two loving parents, regardless of their gender, regardless mm. of their sexual orientation. Oh, because remember, you're going to make them gay, and that's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> as far as they're concerned, that's a bad thing. Try and, to ha- well, and you're, you know just, what? And you're po- propagating this filth. <laughs> My parents raised me straight, and look how well that turned out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, I feel like a lot of the, like in terms of the political atmosphere, here with marriage equality and you know people bringing kids into it i feel like it it just always seems to fall on penny wong like in the last week or two it's fallen on penny wong there's a thing a couple of years ago uh where joe hockey um you know spoke out against marriage equality while penny wong was sitting like two people down from him it was like one of the most just disgusting awful things i've ever seen and like she was her usual self who you know responded eloquently and like keeps her cool about it, whereas mm, I would like, ground. oh, if that was mm. me, I just would go out like mm. absolutely nuts about it. You would have it. gone for the jugular. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, we all know that things need to change, but it just, yeah, can't fall on the, the same people. And there was the, um, 
There was that awful ad that some like family group tried to air in March on SBS during the Mardi Gras coverage as well. Um, yeah, I just don't know how they keep getting away with this. With I this. think it's ignorance. In not, I'm not trying to be. It's both. It's ignorance and innocence. Yes, that's like what in, I mean. In they fairness, just don't know. Yeah, in fairness, like like even looking at the the yes and the no campaign in Ireland, you know, like a lot of the the no campaigners, you know, they they had a voice, and a lot of uh, look, a lot of what they were saying in their heads was valid, mm. and some of the stuff they're saying, you know, they have a point. You know, it's always good to have a female and a male. Granted, yeah, we've all got brothers and sisters are, and uncles and, and various other men in our lives. Like, there's what very about, few lesbians that have absolutely no men in their lives. Yes. So, what about single parents? Does that yeah, say that their families exactly. are invalid? And It's an absolute slap in every single parent's face. It is. But, but it, is, it is a lot of the time innocence. Yes. Where they, they, they just haven't been exposed to it, so they don't see it as something real. No. And then you get... The ignorance where people are exposed, they are education, just make stupid decisions and just are just big comments. Yeah. yeah. Look, Fiona, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you for um, having me tonight. You've provided a lot of information um, and it's great. I'd encourage um, anybody. Um, tonight's topic isn't going to apply to, to everybody, obviously. Not everyone's um, in the position. Right, right at this moment um, looking to start a family. but um, Even if they're after it, information, always yeah. welcome to come along. Um, so just remind us again of, of the times that it's on. Sure. So it's the third Tuesday of every month, which can change depending on room availability. Generally, that's when it is. But if you're on the Facebook page, then that's the most current we do events. Um, so you search PLP Vic. Um, on Facebook or you can go to our website which is plpvic.com and um, yeah connect with us there great this joycast is a free service brought to you by joy 94.9 support joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au thanks for listening to another joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organization joy Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.